What's so mighty about Gideon? I want to read one scripture to you in Judges chapter 6. We will look at a few more in a moment, but I want to, I want to ask you a question. So after I read this scripture to you, um, and I'll put it on overhead, uh, uh, but I want to read this scripture to you. I want you to try and keep the question in your mind. So I'll pose a question to you after I read the scripture. So follow with me on the overhead or in your Bibles if you'd like to turn there to verse 12 of, of chapter 6. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Version of the Bible. It's, and it says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Uh, let me read a few other translations quickly. Uh, the Living Bible says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty soldier, the Lord is with you. The New King James Version, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Uh, the King James Version says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And then the ICB says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Here, here's the question. What's so mighty about Gideon? What's so mighty about Gideon? I mean, he's being called a man of valor. He's being called, you know, a valiant warrior. And, and, uh, and that's the title of our message today as well. What's so mighty about Gideon? So, I mean, it, it, it was what the angel of the Lord saw in Gideon, obviously. He, he would, it, but what was it that he saw? Yeah, you ever read this passage? You ever read through Gideon and you're like, you know, what, what is it? What did the angel see? What did God see in Gideon to make him call him a mighty man of valor? I mean, sometimes you think there's no way I could be what Gideon was, you know. Now try to keep this in mind as I talk to you about this for just a few minutes. What was it about Gideon? You know, keep that in your mind, okay? So I can quickly prove through Scripture how unlikely a candidate Gideon really was for this title. And how unmighty Gideon really seemed and how much valor he really didn't have. When you read through the passage, you start to see this about Gideon that, wow, you know, he really doesn't seem to be a man of valor at all, you know. But besides all of that, in verse 12, the angel of the Lord says, you are a mighty warrior. And I'm thinking, oh, the, the angel found Gideon threshing wheat, not out in the open field, right? He found him threshing wheat in a wine press. Why? Because he was hiding from the Midianites. He was afraid. That doesn't seem like a mighty man of valor. To me, it seems like kind of a, a normal person. And I start to think, but, but what, what's going on here? I mean, we can prove how unlikely a candidate that he is for the title, Mighty Man of Valor. It's, you know, Gideon's response in verse 13, you know, verse 12, the angel says, Almighty warrior, Almighty Man of Valor. And then Gideon says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You can read it with me. <clears throat> And where are all his miracles, which are, our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? I mean, come on, look what he's saying here. You mighty man of valor. <laughs> Wait a minute. If the Lord is with us, then what's going on? Where are all the miracles? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. 
That's an interesting response to that statement. The Lord is with thee, mighty man of valor. Really? Really? That's not the response of a mighty warrior in my estimation, but it's the response of a normal man not much different than you and I. Not much different than you and I. Friends, that gives me hope. When I read this and I read through this, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I can be a little like Gideon, you know. Uh, if God is with me, then why is inflation making life as I knew it unsustainable? <laughs> if God is with us, then why is the economy in shambles and the political race so far from anything godly? And, and if God is with us, then why is America so split? And, and I don't see love but hatred. Why is my car not running and the bills piling up? And so on and so forth we could go. Basically, Gideon is saying as we would say, really? You're telling me the Lord's with me and I have all this pain and all this hurt and all this confusion. God, God, why are you not making things easy for me and giving me what I want, Gideon was saying. Why am I in a, a wine press threshing wheat hiding from the Midianites if you're really with me? Listen, we can rightly put our name in verse 13 and read the same passage. Then Billy, or you could say your name, you know, then, say your name, then, come on, work with me here. Then I'll say Billy, you say your name, y'all ready? Then, Bill, no, you don't say Billy, say your name. All right. You got me. Then Scott, or say your name, then Billy said to him, oh my, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Come on. Gideon is not a lot different than us, is he? Is he? God, if you're really with us, why am I going through this? And where, where are all the miracles which our father told us about? Where are all the miracles? How come you're not healing people? How come you're not doing this, doing that? So if, if Gideon is normal, which I think he is, then can we be mighty men of valor? And the answer is yes. Yes. God, his response is incredible in this next verse, in verse 13. It seems he... He don't even consider, or verse 14, he doesn't even consider Gideon's doubts. It's like he don't even hear them, you know. It's like he gives Gideon a statement and then, and then this question. He says, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Go in this your strength. What strength? Have I not sent you? Have I not commissioned you? I believe he has. We call it the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes, that's for us. Have I not commissioned you? When we stand before the Lord, the Lord may say to us, very well may say, did I not commission you? Did I not speak that over you? Have I not commissioned you? And he says, go in your strength. What strength? Have I not sent you? The statement, go in this your strength, is referring directly to what the angel declared to Gideon. The Lord is with you. 
We don't seem to realize that whatever we're facing, look, whatever we're facing or going through, no matter how terribly devastating or how incredibly painful, that we too as Gideon have this strength as long as we are in Christ, as long as we have surrendered to him. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. But what about the economy? The Lord is with you. But what about the bad things happening? The Lord is with you. But what about my job? The Lord is with you. What happens is is that we look around us as Gideon did. We look around us and we make judgments as Gideon did as to whether or not God is with us. You know, Gideon looked around him and he's like making this judgment. No, 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 no. If God's with me, what's going on here? You know, when things are good, we can sum it up like this. When things are good, God is with us. But when things get difficult, God must not be with us. Do you see how false that is? But it is so easy to slip into that. Where are you, Lord? Why is everything going so bad? Why? This is exactly what we do. We do just like Gideon. We look around us and we make Judgment calls based on everything around. When, when things are good, God is with us. Woo, how you doing? Praise God. Glory to God. You know? But when things are bad, how you doing today? Oh. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's easy to slip into that. I'm guilty. I'm not telling you that I don't do that. I do it all the time. But the Bible tells us a different story. John 16, says, These things I've spoken to you so that in me, in who? In Christ, in me, you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Listen to this powerful word found in Joshua, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Gideon, again, he responds to this. You know, God says, hey, this is your strength, that God is with you. And Gideon, again, has a very normal response similar to what you and I would say. Gideon responds with what what would seem to be, you know, not so mighty a warrior response, but an ever so human one, which should be encouraging to you and I, it is to me, a response I feel that we can relate with, and he says this in verse 15. Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Now, Now, we have, you know, Gideon with these excuses, and we find out that he is, once again, not a whole lot different than you and I. And, and, you know, how can I do this, Lord? How can I do this? My spouse doesn't even support me. How can I do this when I was so beat down, so bad? How, how can I do this? My mom and dad aren't even saved, Lord. How can I do this? You don't know how, how abused I was, how hurt I was. How can I do this? My husband is not yada, yada, yada. How can I do this when I'm single and alone? How can I do this when, I, you know, the excuses go on and on and on? Oh, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? My family's the least in Manasseh. I don't have any money, God. How, how would you want me to go? I don't have any money. I know I need to be passionate about my Bible, but, 
but God, I don't have any time. I know I need to witness to my neighbors, but come on, God, really? I know I need to surrender my life to Jesus, but I know God has ministry for me, but, 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 but. What, what is it you're making excuses for this morning? I know, God, I should fill in the blanks. What is it in your mind? Well, here's some encouraging words for you. You're not much different than Gideon. And Gideon was a mighty warrior. Amen? What is your Midianite? You know, what is your Midianite that, is, that God is telling you to destroy? What is it that God is telling you to, to lay down? What is it in your life that looks way too big for you to tackle? How could God ask me to take on Midian? You know, think about it. What is it that God wants you to do, but you really don't want to? What is it that he wants you to lay down or walk away from? but you really like holding on to it. What are you doing that you know you need to be doing and you're not doing it? What are you not doing that you know you need to be doing? Think about those things. What are you doing that you know you need to stop doing? Let me, let me say those again. What are you not doing that you know you need to be doing? What are you doing that you know you need to stop doing? Verse 16 and 17. God reassures Gideon once again that he's with them. He says, surely, surely I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites. Surely I will be with you. Second time he tells them, I'm with you. I'm with you. Wow. Remember, we're trying to to find out what's so mighty about Gideon and I'm showing clearly how it really appears that he might not be as, as mighty as the angel thought or it seems that way, you know, maybe, maybe the angel made a mistake, you know, that's kind of what we would be like, oh, you made a mistake, Lord, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that, you, not me, Lord, no, 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 no. Because once again, Gideon's response to this second time that the, the, the angel says, surely the Lord is with you, Gideon's response is surprising surprisingly and painfully, a lot like us. And this is what he says. Show me a sign that it's you who speak with me. (laughs) You know, come on, he's threshing wheat, get the picture in the wine press, he's hiding, he's scared. An angel, an angel of God, an angel of God appears. You mighty man of valor. Wait, 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 wait. Not sure you got the right person here. You know, if, if God is really with me, then why, why am I in this wine press? Answer me that. I think he'd been sniffing the wine fumes too much. You know? Okay, God, if it's, if it's really you. Now, I am actually a huge fan of Gideon. And, and I'm a huge fan of, of what he does here. Because he's facing a monumental task. And in verse 18 through 21, he goes into a process through sacrifices and, and you know, whatnot. And, and what it is, it's just him seeking God to determine that he was truly hearing from him. I think there's wisdom in that. God's telling you something big. Hey, seek him. Get it confirmed. Let God speak it to you. Uh, the end result of that is peace that passes all understanding. We see that in verse 22. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord. He said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. 
Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, a place of worship, and uh, named it, The Lord is Peace. And this is, where, this is where we get one of the most awesome names of God in Scripture, Jehovah Shalom, The Lord is Peace. We, 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 we got to be careful that we're not too hard on Gideon. You know, I mean, we would tend to kind of be hard on Gideon here. And uh, I'm showing how human he is and, and uh, you know, how he seems like an unlikely candidate, you know, for the title Mighty Man of Valor. But listen, he was not about to attack the Midianites without a peace from God. And for that, I commend him. We can't jump out into things without knowing we heard from God, you know. The words of God, the word of God declares, follow peace and holiness without which no man shall see God. Follow peace, the presence of God. Follow Jesus and holiness. What is holiness? The work he does on the inside that shows on the outside. Follow peace and salvation. Follow peace and sanctification. Uh, instantaneous and progressive. Instantaneous being, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. My spirit has been regenerated. I've been born again. And progressive, that I am following Jesus. I am pursuing Jesus. Follow peace, the presence of God, and holiness, glory to God. Follow the presence of God and a relationship with God. And that's what the Word of God declares. Follow peace and holiness without which no man shall see God. True peace only comes from God. Remember what we learned about peace just last week. That's, that's why it says, and the peace of God shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Peace is the presence of the Prince of Peace. What this means is, is to us is simple. When we're facing tasks that are way too big for us, when we're facing difficult situations, when we have difficult decisions to make, we wrestle with God until we have that peace of God. Amen? Follow peace and holiness. I was doing a wedding one time. I was doing a wedding one time. I, I want to back up just a little bit, but let me just share the story. I was, I was doing a, a wedding, and I, um, I went to the restroom at this church where I was doing the wedding. It wasn't here. It was at a different church. It wasn't the, my old church. The wedding was at some church in Oklahoma. So I'm there. I'm doing the wedding, you know, and I go into the restroom. It's a big restroom, you know, for a men's bathroom. It was big. You know, and, uh, and this guy follows me into the restroom. So I'm like, okay, well, it was the f groom's father. And he, uh, uh, I guess, felt comfortable in the restroom. I would never feel comfortable in our restroom because it's so small. But I guess since it was big, you know, he felt comfortable striking up a conversation with me that lasted for way too long in the bathroom. You know, uh, and the whole conversation, he was, he was in his 60s, uh, mid-60s maybe, and he had been following the Lord all his life. I was a young man, and, you know, he just wanted to line me out, and his whole thesis for that 35, 40-minute visit, his whole thesis was, don't you ever do anything without the peace of God. I was like, all he had to say was that. I'm like, good, let me wash my hands. Thank you very much. I'll write that down in my journal when I get to my car. All right? But no, 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 no. He went on and on and on and on. 
and he wanted to get his point across. And guess what? He did, because I still remember it these 20-something years later, you know, that I can't do anything without the peace of God. Don't make any decision without the peace of God. If you don't have the peace of God, don't do it, you know. And, and I remember that. So, so uh, Gideon gets peace from God, and he's convinced that he's hearing from God. And then the Lord gives him his very first task in verse 25 and 26. Let me back up just for a moment, not to keep you too long, but I feel like this you need to hear this, because we read some of these stories in the Old Testament, but we need to insert ourselves here and realize that they were just as human as, as we are, you know, and God is about to use Gideon in an incredibly mighty way, and God sees Gideon's heart. He knows who he is. He's like, you are a mighty warrior. We don't see that, right? Gideon didn't see that. Gideon's like, come on, where are you? Yeah, what's going on here? I remember uh, I was a children's pastor. Believe that, yeah, I was a children's pastor. And uh, so our church had a sanctuary kind of like this. Then you'd walk out the doors, and then there were stairs going down to the basement. That's where I met with the children. And, uh, man, I got those children so cranked up. Blythe and I, we had, I, one, at one time we had like, I don't know, 45 kids packed in there, 50 kids, and, and we would get them amped up. Boy, I loved it, man. I mean, we were, they were riding me like a horse. Couldn't do that today, but I would be riding like a horse across the floor, and they'd be riding me, you know, and, and we'd be, it was just great, you know. I, I, we had a great time. Those kids would get so loud that the, 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 they would have to close the sanctuary doors because they couldn't hear in the sanctuary, <laughs> and we, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. But, but uh, so I was there for a while, and then I left. I left that church and went on the evangelistic field. I was on the evangelistic field, had a great time, and, and uh, then uh, Blythe and I went to Topeka First Assembly. That's where we landed as youth pastors. Uh, we were there for about five years, had a great run. And, uh, but I remember we were there. Things were going well. The church was doing well. Um, and uh, where I was children's pastor at, way back when, youth pastor, uh, their pastor resigned. And, of course, the Kansas district's a small district, so I had heard about it. And somebody asked me, are you going to put your application in? Are you going to apply to go to, back to Pratt? And I said, no way. I don't want to go there. And uh, uh, I said, if, if God wants me in Pratt, they're going to have to send a board member all the way to Topeka. He's going to have to come sit in my office and ask me to put my application in. I said, if God does that, then I'll do it. Now, what's the chances of that happening? Slim to none. That just don't happen. I mean, I, I could bring uh, 20 pastors in here, and out of 20 of them, none of them would have had a board member travel all the way to their church when they were a youth pastor, sit down in their office and say, hey, would you put your resume in? And so one day I'm in my office, and there's a knock at the door. And I look up, and it's a board member from Pratt. And he says, hey, I just came to ask you if you'd put your resume in. And I looked at him and said, I'll pray about it. <laughs> so I didn't put my resume in, you know. I'm like, Okay, okay, you know, I, I, I just didn't want to go to Pratt. I didn't want to go. And uh, uh, anyway, I, I knew that was too coincidental not to be something was going on, right? I mean, come on. I'm like, 
okay, Lord, you know, what's going on here? I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go to the, the little church, and I'll walk in the church, and I'll just pray, and you could speak to me there. And so I called one of the other board members that I knew, and I said, hey, my wife and children, we want to come and hang out with you guys for a day, and I just want you to bring me to church, let me pray. He said, oh, no problem. It's a Saturday. Come on. We'll have lunch. Then we'll go to the church, let you pray. It'll be great. So all the board wanted me to come, the whole board, you know. Uh, The pastor before me, the one that I'd worked for, told the board not to have me. He told told them, do not have Billy come back, whatever you do. And, uh, but they all wanted me to come back for whatever reason. And uh, so anyway, uh, we get there, we drive to the church, and there's people there. There's people at the church. Well, they couldn't know I was in town, you know. It was just something. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, we'll come back later. You know, this is around noon. We go to his house. His wife cooks this big old country spread, and we ate so much. It was so awesome, and, and the kids were having a good time. They just spoiled us. I remember this dessert she made. Oh, man, we got done eating, and he's like, okay, let's go. And we go back to the church. There's still people there. And he's like, this board member saying, I can't believe it. There's no one's ever here on Saturdays. Why are there people here? And then, and then, to make a long story short, he takes us out to his ranch and shows my kid his horses and all that. And we look at his horses. We go back to the church. There's still people there. And so he's like, let's go for coffee at my house. And then, so we go for coffee. This is no joke. It's like 8 o'clock at night. I got to be at the church at 6 in the morning all the way back in Topeka. And I'm just telling them, I didn't even bring my resume with me. I, was, I didn't want to turn it in, you know, so I didn't even bring it with me. And uh, I said to him, I said, this is, this is not God's will. This is not God's will, buddy. If there's just people there all day long, I said, we, we got to go. I got to get up early. I like my sleep, man. I'm like, so I'm pushing to leave, and I'm like, uh, his name was Paul, great man of God, just a wonderful man of God. I said, Paul, I said, I'm sorry. It's just the Lord's not in this. You, you, surely you can see this. The Lord's not in this. He's like, let's just go one more time. I'm like, no, dude, I got to get up early in the morning, and I got a lot of responsibilities. He said, okay, tell you what, just load all your kids up. Let's drive by the church, and let's, you know, if, if somebody's there, you just go on your way, and, you know, we'll be done. I said, okay. So we load up in a car. We drive by the church. Like I said, it's about 8 at night, and it's empty. It's empty. So we go in, and we're walking around the church, and I'm just looking at the church, just walking around, and I'm just like, I ain't doing it. I ain't coming here. This is not God. That's what I'm saying in my mind the whole time. I'm not coming here. This is not the Lord, you know. And I walk up on the platform very similar to this, and they had a big old wooden pulpit back, you know, in the the 80s. Those pulpits were popular, you know. And I walk up to the pulpit, and I put my hands like this. And the moment I touched the pulpit, the moment I touched it, the Lord spoke to me so clear and said, this is your pulpit. And I just just got teary-eyed, and I said, I'll send you a resume tomorrow. And I did, and I was there for about 13 years. 13 years, had a great run. Lots of my kids were born there. They had a great run. They had a great school. It was just great for my family, great ministry. Lots of people saved, baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I read through Gideon. I think about my life, and I think about you. And I think, 
you know, we're not a whole lot different than Gideon, are we? We're not a whole lot different. Matter of fact, the first task that God gives him, we find it in verse 25 and 26, and he says, I want you to take your father's bull and, and a second bull, seven years old, and I want you to pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And in verse 27, Gideon is back to what does not seem like a mighty warrior. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'll do what you say, God, but look what he says. He says he does it at nighttime. Because he was afraid of his father and and how the people were going to respond. In our contemporary understanding of, of mighty men, being scared is usually not one of their traits. When we think of mighty men, we don't think of fear. But that type of fear is normal. But Gideon did it anyway. Amen? We need to follow God even when we have fear, even when we're afraid. Peace and fear can coexist. The village rose up, said, bring out your son so he may die. His own father, who he's afraid of, stood up and said, no, 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 no. Joash stood up for his son. Can you imagine that? So what's so mighty about Gideon? What's so mighty about Gideon? Blythe, would you come? Can you come? Can you bring your worship team with you? We're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to wrap all this up. The whole story goes through Gideon uh, making a fleece before the Lord. Uh, Let me just tell you this. I know a lot of people have questions about fleeces and doing, you know, the fleece was just a, a lamb skin of sort, and he put it on the ground and said, if it's wet, on the bottom, that's God's will. If it's dry on the top, and then the Lord did that, the next day he put it back out and he said, okay, if it's dry on the top and wet on the bottom. The final analysis is this. God honors, listen to me, okay? God honors hungry hearts and answers those whose hearts long to know him. Those who long to know him and hear him. And it's not as in as important that our, our theology is correct, is a fleece God's will or not. That's not as important as is our heart is correct. Are you following me? Personally, I don't believe fleeces are God's will. Because God has called us and assured us that he's given us his spirit. And God's desire is that we walk in the light of his word and in the presence of His Spirit, that we are full of the fruits of His Spirit in such a way that we we hear His voice. My sheep shall know my voice. The problem is we have cluttered our minds with so many distractions and we don't shut ourselves up long enough alone with God to get familiar enough with His voice to hear it. We're too busy. We, We spend maybe 10 minutes a day with the Lord and we're like, why don't I hear God's voice? Fleeces are, in some ways, the lazy believer's way to hear God. And with all that said, I I will not condemn anyone because God sees our hearts, right? The final analysis, I'll say it again, because I don't want to offend you if you believe in fleeces. Some of you probably do, and that's, that's fine. I'm just sharing with you. I don't believe that's God's will. I believe God's will 
is for us to lock ourselves along with Him and hear the voice of God and get familiar with the Spirit of God leading and guiding us. The final analysis is that God honors hungry hearts and answers those hearts that long to know Him and hear Him. Amen? Remember, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So, I don't, I don't know. The rest of the story is just amazing. I don't have time to finish it all. But let me get to this, just to the end and to the altar call. What's so mighty about Gideon? What's so mighty about Gideon? You know, we find our answer in the very verse we started with, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Gideon's God was with him. Amen? Gideon's God was with him. Gideon's God worked with him to get him to the point of trusting his life to him. Gideon's God brought him to a place where 32,000 soldiers weren't enough. or we're too much. You're going to cut it down. You're going to cut it down. You're going to cut it down till 300 soldiers. Why? Because Gideon's God wanted Gideon to know it wasn't about Gideon. It was about God. It was about the God of Gideon. Billy's God is more than enough. Amen? Come on, say your name. Scott's God is more than enough. Glory to God. This is about God. It's not about Gideon. God was with him. God is with you. What's so mighty about you, friends. Let me tell you what's so mighty. Jesus Christ, glory to God. Jesus Christ, what's so mighty about you? Jesus is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was was God who did the work. It was God who did it. It was God who led me and guided me and had me put my hands on that altar. It was God who spoke to me and would lead me to that little city. It was God who would do a work. It was God who would bring me to Manhattan, Kansas. Glory to God. It was God who baptized you in the Holy Spirit. It was God who called you. It was God who led you. It was God who provided for you. It was God who made a way when there was no way. It was God who got you out of that country. It was God who's bringing you back to that country. It was God. It was God. It was God who spoke to Chris Rubello about the homeless of Boston and the homeless of Kansas City. It was God who brought him to Miracle Mission Sunday. It was God. It was God. It was God who brought Dareth Lee out of the killing fields to America, discipled him, nourished him, trained him, and sent him back to Cambodia. It was God who led him to be part of this year's Miracle Mission Sunday. It was God. It was God. What's so mighty about you? Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love some of these Old Testament stories. I love love all of them, actually. But they're so human. They're so real. 
They have the same struggles as you and I. The same, same things they're going through. Look, you look in the mirror and you don't see a mighty man of valor. I understand that. I don't either. But we're looking at ourselves. Can we look past ourselves and see the cross? Can we look past ourselves and see the resurrection? Can we look past ourselves and see Jesus? Yeah? Yeah. What's so mighty about you and I? Jesus. Jesus. We're going to worship him. We're going to sing this song. Light's going to lead us. And as you start to sing, as you start to worship, if you want to come down here, if you want to, I'm going to invite you. The altar's open. Would you just come and kneel before him and say, God, you are with me. I don't feel like it. I look around me. I'm, I'm in the wine press. I'm, I'm hiding. I'm scared. But you are with me. You are with me. Maybe you just need to say that over and over and over. God, you are with me. God, you are with me. Today, God, you are with me. Come on, the altars are open. Would you respond? Would you come now? Would you come kneel before him and just say, God, you are with me. You are with me. Just just believe that this morning. Say, well, I don't believe it. Then confess it. Confess it over and over and over until your heart starts to come into alignment with it. That yes, God is with me. God, what's so mighty about you? Jesus. What's so mighty about you? Jesus. What's so mighty about me? Jesus. What's so mighty about me? Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you today. What's so mighty about us, Lord God? Only you. Only you. Only you. God, help us to realize that and then be obedient. Help us to be obedient. You know, in Pratt, Kansas, at a church very similar to this, designed by the same architect, looked very similar to this, I would, I would be a part and see. Nobody laid their hands on them. This girl with brain tumors, God just took them away. Just They were gone. Just healed her, just like that, at a worship service. I would see this guy who had been seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'd give the altar call, and he would literally come running down the aisle, and before he hit the altars, the, the Lord hit him so hard, you could almost feel the presence of God just slap that man, bam, and he started speaking in tongues before he ever hit the altars. I would see uh, incredible things. Blythe would start to lead worship there. That's where she'd cut her teeth in worship in Pratt, Kansas. We would see a lady who had been seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for 30 years be gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. We would see miracles. We would see a young man, a college kid with stomach problems healed by the power of God. We would see almost all of our kids born there and discipled there. We would see great things there. Great things. It was an incredible run. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for missions. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd get to go to India three times from Pratt. I would, I would, it was just incredible. We built churches in Mexico. We built orphanages in the dump 
junkyard in the dump of Mexico. We did all kind of great things in that 13 years. It was incredible. And I would have missed it all. I would have missed it all if I wasn't willing to step out in that fear. I don't want to come here. I don't want to be in Pratt, Kansas. But okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. What's so mighty about your pastor? Just Jesus. Just Jesus. What's so mighty about you? Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Step out and follow him. Run after him. Amen? Come on. Run after Jesus. Jesus is the one who will change your life. Jesus is the one who will make a way. Just run after him. Run after him. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad you came. Thank you so much. Lord, just Lord, be with them. May your face shine upon them. Lord, touch them by the power of Almighty God. Move in mighty ways, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.